Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. This a little bit different, Big MX Radio Classics, none other than Ernesto Fonseca, a gentleman who was gracious enough to come on the podcast years ago and we're currently working on having him on once again to sort of do a career recap and see what's new and exciting in the world of Ernesto Fonseca. Obviously, I've been feverishly trying to get podcasts out every single Wednesday morning. Unfortunately, I fell a little bit short on this one, uh, unable to get the Supercross West preview out just yet, but I thought that uh, there's a good number of you that have probably not listened to this podcast, and it's just too great of a story to pass up. I wanted to sort of reinvigorate this one for you. Uh, Hopefully, you enjoy some of the old audio and uh, enjoy this podcast with the great Ernesto Fonseca. What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Brand, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop. On Big MX Radio. Hey, Big MX listeners, and welcome to yet another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Really appreciate everybody for listening, and uh, I would love some feedback if you could. Um, please email me at bradgebhart88 at gmail.com. Tell me what you think of the podcast. Tell me what you want to hear, who you want to hear from, and uh, I'll try and do my best to uh, to just bring you guys the best content as frequently as possible. And uh, if you guys give me some hints as to what you might want to hear, uh, then that just makes my job just that little bit much easier. And then I, I know I'm bringing you guys what you want. On this particular episode, a huge treasure for, it's it's a treat for me to uh, to bring on. Ernesto Fonseca, a guy who I looked up to growing up, a guy who uh, I feel was ripped away from us uh, very untimely. Uh, His injury obviously ended his career, Um, but uh, the guy still stayed upbeat and very positive, and I've I've been like a huge inspiration to me. So uh, Fonseca is a great interview. I was supposed to talk to him for 20 minutes. We ended up talking for 40 minutes, which is uh, just a bonus for you guys. And I really appreciate uh, him coming on the show and giving us some time. And uh, as you hear, I think we're going to have to have him on again uh, in the future to uh, to chit chat and just uh, kind of pick his brain about some things. Cause there's a ton of things that we never even talked about. Uh, but anyway, 
please enjoy this podcast. Uh, if you could, uh, like I don't charge for these podcasts, but if you could like, if you could uh, rate us on iTunes as well as leaving a review, that's how we get uh, more viewers and we get a, a higher rating on iTunes. So if you could please do that, that'd be a huge favor to me. Just write me a quick review. Tell them what you think. If if uh, you have some suggestions, just let me know. But uh, here it is, my interview with Ernesto Fonseca. I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing and FMF. With us on the line, a very special guest, a winner of this race coming up this weekend in Daytona on a 125 in 1999, quite some time ago, but we still love him. Ernesto Fonseca, how's it going, my friend? Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm doing great, man. Just um, enjoying uh, retired life from motocross, you know, yes. but not not by choice. But anyway, yeah. uh, you know, I'm I'm great, man. Thanks for asking. Hey, thanks for coming on the show, making some time for us first thing in the morning. We really appreciate you uh, uh, just allowing us to pick your brain a little bit because uh, you had an amazing career in within the sport of motocross, and also you've you've kept a, a watchful eye on it uh, since uh, being being forced into retirement uh, due to your injury. Um, and it, it's just uh, having a guy like you on is is always a pleasure for me because honestly, Ernie, uh, you're a guy that I really looked up to growing up. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I uh, like you said. I mean, I'm, I um, I'm pretty happy with how my career went. You know, a couple uh, things here and there that I felt like I couldn't accomplish, but you know, that's uh, that's part of life, I guess. I mean, we always want to, uh, or at least you know, most people I think always want to win and want to do their best. And uh, but you know, it it doesn't always go the way you want. But um, yeah, I mean. I, uh, I'm happy and, uh, you know, I, for the most part, I, I made some great people along the way, built some great relationships and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of the, uh, motocross industry and I feel that, um, you know, it was definitely a great experience, you know, being involved in a sport for 21 years, it was definitely a, a long time. Absolutely, and I think if you asked uh, the majority of motocross racers uh, if, if they could switch out their uh, career for yours, I think oh, there's a lot of guys that would do so in a heartbeat. Uh, many a race win, uh, a lot of great factory bikes, and uh, like you said, a ton of great people that you met over the years, uh, including like uh, teammates like uh, Nathan Ramsey, Ricky Carmichael, um, Stefan Roncata, you, you, you raced with some of the best, and uh, and and I think you also you'd be lumped in there with them. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, I, uh, uh, you know, Sebastian and Jeremy and, right. and Andrew Short. I mean, there was ton of ton of great people, and um, yeah, I mean, I was I'm honored and I feel lucky that uh, that I was involved in uh, you know in, in, in great teams with uh, great people. For sure. So uh, before we get into uh, talking about uh, so, some some races from yesteryear or, or talking about the series, what are you up to now? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I uh, about three years ago I started doing some wheelchair racing, and uh, well, actually, I you know I started doing a triathlon just because I I don't know I, I felt that uh, that I wanted to try it, and uh, I did that, and then after you know it, it's too much planning and, and too much stuff. I, I have to bring, you know, my own daily chair and a bicycle and a racing wheelchair and, and plan and I don't sweat. And so there's way too many things involved and kind of got a little bit over that because I was racing against myself too. So 
I um, started doing just wheelchair racing, man, and for the most part, that's kind of what I've been focusing on. So um, that's that's kind of what takes most of my time. For sure. Like, uh, how do you compare the uh, the dedication and the the, the training regimen and just the and the fun factor of racing uh, racing your chair uh, like in a cross section to racing uh, a motocross bike? <laughs> well, you know, for the most part, I can I can tell you that it's a lot less stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't imagine. Uh, you know, I think uh, the uh, penalization factor is a lot less. You know, I, I feel that. In, in supercross you have to be so on it all the time and and you know it's definitely it's just you, you can't really make a mistake it's 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 a hard sport it's tough i mean but um yeah so that that's probably the the biggest thing um but you know in in other in other things it's it's a little similar i mean i think uh and i feel that in in motocross i mean maybe not a lot of people with with agree with me but um, man, I think you have to find a, a balance setup, something that works and it's when it works pretty good. I, you know, I think I'm the type of rider that I, you know, you know, I hear some people say that they blame that the bike is not working. My set, my setup is not very good, this and that. But I think, I feel that, you know, um, like they say, I, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not, um, It's for the most part the rider that makes that makes oh, sure. uh, the you know the the bigger difference and uh, you like I said you know you have to have somewhat of a good setup of course but if you're in a factory team or if you have the right people around you, you know, they're not gonna let you steer the wrong way. Absolutely, and, and honestly, uh, I put it in the perspective of uh, if you put me on the saddle of any of those factory bikes, that's not really going to increase my speed whatsoever. Maybe the uh, maybe a little bit stronger front brake might help me coming into the corners a little hotter. Maybe a little bit of extra cut power coming out of the corners might uh, might uh, help me make a couple of passes. But for the most part, I, I might gain a half a second. But if you put any of those guys including yourself back in the day uh, on on my KTM 252 stroke they'll do unspeakable things on an absolutely stock machine that they have no they had like they've never been on it before uh, and, and and probably beat my lap times by between 20 and 30 seconds um, proving that it is it's a, it's the rider it's it's the guy who's preparing uh, and, and can just uh, go out there and make it happen yeah I mean I think uh, you know, even at our level, I think that sometimes the factories can steer can steer the wrong way just because you know they want to make the bike so so you know so perfect and so fast and and so and light. I think they're using all kinds of tie that they might not even need. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know about about the, the lightness part. You know, I probably wouldn't really go against it, but True. it's just so so powerful that it, it you know at some point it it becomes a little bit tougher to ride and it's something maybe that's unnecessary but um yeah i mean it's just a matter of all being you know synchronized and kind of everyone on the same page and having good communication and knowing what you feel that might work best for you i think that's that's the biggest part so i think uh having experienced people and and you know having someone that understands and 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 i think uh knows kind of you know what what you need to to, to maximize your, your potential, I think it's probably a, a big key. 
So, uh, as a uh, as now a fan of motocross, a person who probably you, you I imagine you you watch the races uh, uh, on Saturday nights. I imagine, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a little bit. I I wouldn't say, and and now that it's kind of, you know, maybe uh, it's thinned out a little bit. I, I haven't really been on top of it so much. You know, I'm sure everyone has probably mentioned. You know, but it seems like the guys are not very consistent you know if we've had somebody like ryan dungy or yeah i think that it'd be right up there battling with uh with jason but uh you know i mean i don't want to take anything away from jason he's been great and i think uh you know he's definitely the main contender and and i think he's probably going to be that guy that's gonna end up winning the title Absolutely. Not to discredit his championship lead whatsoever, but I seriously feel that uh, at this particular time in 2018, Jason Anderson may have taken a half, half step forward from last year, but it seems like everyone around him has taken three steps back uh, or just like been uh, uncharacteristically un. Um, Unconsistent, inconsistent, and um, it, it's it's kind of it's really handed him a lead now that uh, if he's not feeling it, he can back it off, get a, a third or a fourth, and uh, and go on to the next weekend knowing that he's got this thing under control. Yeah, I mean it's 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 easy to say too for for us that we're outsiders, of course, you know. But uh, because I've been in the I've been you know in, in kind of both both. Uh, both situations, you know, being outside and as a, as a fan, and then being a rider, and uh, you know, maybe sometimes we're a little unfair trying to, um, you know, judge these guys. Or, or, but anyways, aside from that, I think uh, you know that's that's what that's what we get, you know, or that's what the riders get paid for, and uh, you have to be on it. I mean, uh, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it seems like Jason is really excel, and everyone really has kind of made more mistakes and they haven't really been on, on top of their game. But, you know, it's just kind of sad because it, you would think that at that level there would be, you know, I don't know, four or five or six guys that would be battling for that rather than just one. For sure. And, and I think that uh, this this year is kind of, it's got to have a little bit of an asterisk on it, uh, like rolling in um, with like – I don't think Ken Roxon was exactly where he would hope to have been rolling into the season. Uh, I, as far as uh, Eli Tomac is concerned, I, I don't think any like anyone expected him to have such a like. I think in the first six races he went DNF, DNS, one, one, fifteen. So like uh, that that is uh, totally just just a weird scenario, and then and that's not by anybody's fault, but by other than I guess his own or, or just bad luck but um yeah it's it's i uh, kind of let the air out of, the, out of the championship and and it, it seems like everyone in se- everyone in second place in the points uh gets hurt what's up with that yeah i mean you know i that's something really a professional guy shouldn't really be in that situation like yeah like you said eli i mean he's either he wins or or he does or he dnfs and and i think that uh Man, it's just it's it's really I I really don't know and haven't really been paying too much attention to to kind of what what um what the reasons are because you know it's it's none none of my none of my business. I'm just a fan, so but um it's definitely uh crappy for the fans because we don't want to see that, you know. Um but aside from that, I uh yeah, I mean uh just 
my uh, my hat off to to Jason because he's been on it. I mean, he's been pretty consistent, and uh, that shows. You know, he has a I think a forty plus point lead going into Daytona, and I think we already crossed the halfway point. So, um, man, he should be smart and probably getting couple more wins along the way and uh, I feel that uh you know it's well deserved for the best guy definitely he's carried that not that uh, red plate for quite some time now and I think he's going to continue all the way to Las Vegas um and, and if they would have had a red plate in 1999 so would have you um Ernesto there's not too many people that can say they won uh their their first supercross their second supercross their third supercross their fourth supercross fifth and or uh, sixth and seventh supercross um explain yourself yeah man that was uh, <laughs> that that was uh definitely a a dream come true and it was uh, you know like you said it it, it kind of seems like every, every you know once i won the first race and won the second one and won the third one then you realize that it's not really by luck and, and you know you kind of start getting a lot of confidence and I think when you're in that position I think that um you know things start clicking and and, and they just become easier rather than than uh you know you start having more fun and kind of when things are going that way you just kind of things just happen really you, you don't really have to worry about it too much I think uh when when things don't go your way and and uh when it becomes a little bit tough, I think it's when you really have to find out and, and kind of have to have that uh, competitor and, and, and um, you know, uh, the athlete and, and, and kind of start battling against things. I think that's when you realize and you want to make, you know, have the best uh, rider out of you. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I had a, a great rookie season and, and, uh, and, you know, as, as time went by, then, you know, things got a little bit harder and there was more competitors, better riders, I think. And, and um, you know, uh, me and racing against Ricky and being around him and kind of knowing, you know, what what he did and what his strengths were. And, and uh, man, he really, had, he, he really had no weaknesses. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, it's needless to say, I mean, everyone really that that's involved in the sport knows and, and, and how great he was. And, uh, and it was tough. It was tough to be around a guy that um, he was just a warrior, man. Totally. I think there's uh, there's more than a few guys that would have registered a win at, at the, the 250 level, if not for that red-haired little guy. But uh, nevertheless, um, nearly a perfect season for you in 99. Uh, the only one that got away from you was uh, was Pontiac, but you still ended up second place. Um, like uh, I, I wish I would have had an opportunity to watch that race uh, prior to, to calling you up this morning. But uh, what, what do you remember about Pontiac and Brock Sellers getting uh, one spot ahead of you? Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I remember that race. I got the whole shot and was leading, and Nick uh, took me wide on a corner, and I crashed. And I don't remember if he crashed or not. I don't think he did. But anyways, he did. No. So, uh, you know, ended up crashing and got up and got going. But you know, we were close, and and Brock uh, had a little bit of a gap, so I couldn't really make up any more time. And um, you know, that was uh, the one race that got away from me, man. But you know, uh, 
besides that, I, like you said, I ended up, I still ended up getting second and did really good in the other races. So, you know, I, I, I had a great 99 season and, um, and then, uh, yeah, from there it went on that my second season was a little bit of a disaster, but I think it's part of racing and, and, um, you know, I, uh, that's the way it went. It went, you know, I, I got injured at the den of dirt and that's where Donovan get Donovan Mitchell, uh, um, became paralyzed. And, you know, we were, it was like a pretty, pretty big crash with a lot of guys that were involved. And, and then I just didn't really have a good off season. You know, I, I was, I had some nerve damage in my shoulder. I can really prepare and get ready for that. So, like I said, I mean, that's the way it went down. I, I wish it would have never really happened because I think I would have been, really prepared and ready with a lot of confidence and I would have been able to battle Travis and, and, um, kind of, you know, kept that amateur, um, rivalry that we had all along, um, when we were young. No kidding. The two of you guys, uh, battled tooth and nail in the amateurs and then, uh, in, in the pro class, uh, in, in pro supercross, I like the, the fact is like that, that particular year, uh, you rolled in unprepared or, or not able to, uh, to ride at your true potential. And then, uh, the two of you didn't see, uh, much of each other, uh, after that, you going basically straight to the 250 class shortly after that, while he stayed on the 125. Um, I guess maybe you, you bump back down for, uh, for one more, uh, outdoor round or outdoor series on on the 125 but uh yeah for the most part that was that was it for you for you and travis battling yeah uh, i mean um you know it's that's more on him <laughs> i think i think we kind of just uh like you said i mean i i then then i i raised my my third uh you know i ended up winning one race in 2000 uh and then in 2001 i i i had a you know a great season again and then after that, I switched to, to Honda. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, my first year was okay. And then I think, uh, I don't know, maybe the bike wasn't really, our bike wasn't really the best. I think the Yamaha was quite a bit better. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, there's no, it's no secret. I mean, Ricky almost went crazy when Chad won the last seven races of that season. And, uh, man, yeah, our, our bike was lacking a little bit of, uh, a couple of things, I think bottom and, and maybe some torque and stuff. And man, we just, uh, we just struggled. And, and, um, and then I think, uh, after that was kind of like when the four stroke era started rolling around and we were kind of between, um, between, um, the, the 450 and the 250 and Ricky suffered his, uh, ACL that he didn't brace the, um, the supercross season that year. And then, I had some injuries also. I, you know, hurt my knee as well. And, and, um, yeah, from there on, I think, uh, you know, we just battled a couple of the same situation that some of the guys are going through right now, but, um, it's part of the sport. I think, you know, it's, 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 it's tough being a elite athlete and, and always to be on top of your game. And, and, uh, man, it's, it's a tough season. You have to be on it for, 16 rounds of supercross and i don't know how many races for outdoors but something similar i believe and and it's uh it definitely takes a toll on on uh you know on on a human's body hey everyone let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly then we'll be right back to the podcast thanks for listening in motorsports the action pulls us in and often we never get close enough to the exhilaration 
and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available, nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action than the collective experience. Dave Drake's has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler Entiknap, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, AJ Catanzaro, you need to check out the collective experience today. TheCollectiveXP.com, as well as the collective ex on instagram is where you can find the collective experience do so immediately the collective experience nobody gets you closer what's wrong jeff i don't know jay well you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran oats and bran i didn't think there was such a that's what i used to think now i start out every morning with a bowl of amigos for extreme kids like us Cereal bees, emigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. Oh, for sure. I, I, I've talked to the talked about this with some of the, the top trainers in the sport. Um, for the most part, the motocross offseason has now been reduced to uh, maybe a couple of weeks off, a road ride, uh, uh, it, like, thrown in there somewhere and then for the most like like not to discredit the like the the training these guys do but it's basically a 60-day fit challenge it's 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 trying to like see how fit you can get in 60 days and then once you're in once you're in the season it's all maintenance after that you're you're riding you're working on some stuff you work on starts but like and then you're you're doing your recovery rides and stuff like that but for the most part all their gains all of their like what they're rolling into the season in, uh, in with is, is done in the October November uh, time, and, and like that that just seems not like, that doesn't seem like enough time for me. Yeah, I just you know I feel that uh, it's just too um, too little too little of a break I think, and it's just too long of a series, and for what the guys are making you know, and and I think uh, man, it's just uh, it, it's it's hard to be on top of your game for all those races all the time. Yeah. And, and, you know, even when you have a, a little bit, a little bit of an off season, you have to, you have the, the European racer races and that some people do because, you know, it's, it's a good bonus and, and, you know, you get paid really good. And then on top of that, you know, you have to do the monster energy cup. And so it's like, really, there's really no off season. Um, I think you kind of just have to, to be um, really strict about what you want to do and how, you know, like have the, the main goals clear and, and be ready for the, for the super, super cross season that it's the series and it's what the factories want you to win. And uh, so concentrate on that and, and, and make the most out of it. 
For sure. Now, uh, during your career, um, did you see a, a bit of a, sw- a shift as far as the importance that teams were putting on supercrosses as opposed to outdoors? I feel like uh, in the 90s, the, the the outdoor title was still very much regarded as the most prestigious title. Uh, I, I don't think that could be said the same today. No, I think, I mean, I don't know. In my opinion, I feel it was kind of similar still. You know, I think, uh, you know, I would say if you ask me, it's like 70-30, you know. Uh, yeah. Outdoors, pay, outdoors pays goods and bonuses are pretty pretty good i mean uh it's, it's somewhat similar you know like contract wise I, I think but but i think to the factories is definitely there's more value in supercross you know um but um yeah i mean i i uh you know for me i, I felt that i i was i was better in supercross at the beginning of my career and then kind of started shifting there towards the end and, and I kind of got better at outdoors but um yeah you know I um I think it was it's it's really it, I don't think it's changed much you know I think Supercross still the most important one absolutely it gets the gets the eyeballs and uh it's definitely I find that probably the most relatable to fans I, I've tried to like uh like when I when I show like I always kind of my litmus test is if I show a girlfriend uh, an outdoor or or a, a supercross they can usually though they're excited about supercross they understand supercross but uh, to try and get someone to sit down that doesn't know the sport to sit down for two thirty five minute plus two uh, motos uh, that's that's usually a recipe for sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think when, you know unless you've been a diehard fan and have been involved in the sport to really understand you know what goes into into the preparation and and uh, and how hard it is uh, for somebody that doesn't know their sport. I think it's it's quite complicated, and they really don't they don't care for it very much. But uh, man, I think you have to be involved and and be around you know supercross or or motocross or dirt bikes to really understand and know how difficult it is and and you know what what goes all into the preparation for. For being for being the best at it, absolute and and you were one of the best at it, my friend, an absolute legend in the sport and a winner at Daytona. We're coming up to this this weekend. Um, I actually kind of noticed that uh, your your season is in a way kind of bookended by Daytona. A win there in 1999, uh, literally 19 years ago today, you would have been uh, waking up uh, after a celebration of that win and. Uh, in, in 2006, uh, you would have been preparing for this race uh, when you got hurt. Yes, yes. Actually, I remember we were, yeah, we were testing to get ready for this race. And, um, yeah, I mean, Dan, Daytona is, is definitely, I, I would say, one of the toughest races of the season. Um, I, you know, it's it's like a outdoor supercross. And, man, the track gets so rough and, and um you know, it's, it's so sandy, it's hot and, and, you know, it's, you definitely have to be on top of your game to go at it and be strong for those 20 minutes now. So I think it was even harder before then because it was 20, 20 laps. So yeah. it didn't matter how long the lap was. You still have to go to 20 laps and now it's just 20 minutes, but man, uh, yeah, I think no matter what, it's, it's definitely a challenging race. For sure. Like, uh, speak to, to racing this thing on a 125, uh, probably a very potent one at that. Uh, at that point, was it still a 30-man field, or uh, had, they, had they broken it down to 20? You know, I don't know. I, I think, uh, 
if we if we go if we go about it, I I can we can break it down. And two two heat races and they took nine, so nine and nine is eighteen, and then four out of the four four yeah, out I guess of the twenty two. James Pavolny got in there dead last. Yeah, <laughs> that so, year. Yeah, you beat I, out Ron Cotta, your teammate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think uh, like so it was a 22, 22 man race. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, even in the in the lights class, you could get a little bit away with, you know, lighter bike and and only fifteen laps and stuff. But um, the the four fifty class is definitely there was uh, a man's race, man. It's those bikes are, are heavier, and you got to go the twenty laps, and track is even more rough from the from the you know lights riding before, so. It's uh, it's tough all the way around, for sure. Like uh, racing it on a, a two fifty two stroke, which you did uh, a number of times. Uh, actually, in in six would have been your your first time racing it on the four fifty. Um, where were you guys uh, training for that thing? Uh, were you at Ricky's uh, getting ready, or were you in SoCal when you got hurt? Uh, when I got hurt, I was in uh, I was in California. Okay. Uh, in the past, I had I think one or two years before I had gotten ready. For this race at Ricky's, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it. Uh, no matter which way you look at it, I think it was uh, a challenging race. That that you know, the the race was super hard because uh, of the conditions, and uh, you had to be ready, man. It was uh, it was definitely uh, like I said uh, for me, one of the toughest races of the season. For sure, like uh, speak speak to racing this thing on a, a CR two fifty oh oh two oh three uh, and oh four. You race that thing on a uh, on the CR two fifty two stroke. Um, very challenging track, very challenging uh, terrain. I believe you got two seventh and an eleventh. Um, seemed like every single year you ended up uh, battling with uh, uh, either. Uh, Sebastian or uh, or with Travis Preston, uh, what was it like uh, battling those guys? Yeah, it was tough. I think uh, maybe Nathan Ramsey also right. uh, there. Man, um, you know, I think uh, when the the first couple of years, you know, uh, on the two fifty class, uh, we had, you know, it was either battling with with Nathan Roncada maybe fairy sometimes. And I think we're all pretty close and, um, it kind of just depends on, you know, what were our strengths, strengths and what were our weaknesses. Um, for me, I, I felt like I always struggled in the whoops and I could never really, um, you know, like if, if the track had uh, a whoop section that it was suited for me or, or it was easier for me, then I would do better rather than, than, you know, if, if, uh, if I was struggling more through the whoops, then uh, the guys had a little bit more um, on me and, and I had to, you know, try to make it up somewhere else. So I think uh, that was one of the things. And then, you know, after a certain time, it kind of just, it gets in your head a little bit and you're like, man, you know, it kind of everything revolved around what, you know, what you were good at and, and what you weren't. So um, then, you know, also I think I remember we had some problems with like clutches and things like that. So there was a couple of things here and there that I think uh, were factors on, you know, how your performance was going to be um, during the weekend. And, um, you know, we had a, a little a little group that was pretty close, like you said, to Sebastian, 
myself, Ramsey, um, Pastrana, and and um, you know from there on, uh, it, you know it might have changed a couple here and there, but right. but uh, you kind of know where you stood. For sure, no, absolutely, and uh, and where you stood, honestly, where right at the end of your career was uh, honestly right on on the podium a lot of times, um, being the last uh, two two stroke two fifty like two fifty two stroke to uh, to achieve a podium uh, in, in an outdoor. I believe uh, that was Glenn Helen of two thousand and five. Um, like yeah, uh, that, that was, that an, was a, sorry, that was in a four fifty. That was on a 450. Oh, has it listed, yeah, it has it listed one, on a 252 stroke. The one, the last podium on a two stroke was at Binghamton. Uh, okay. Me and, me and Sebastian crashed on the last lap. Yeah. So lap. I can't even remember. I think it was maybe 04. Okay. The year. And, uh, okay. Yeah, and you know, I, I, it got tough. I mean, I can tell you probably in the, on the in the last season, I, I just. I felt like my career was coming to an end when, you know, I, I, I got off the track and I remember telling my mechanic, Jason Haynes, you know, Gothic J that, man, I, I'm just struggling. I don't even know if I need to be out here because, you know, the whoops were so big, man. It was like almost impossible to, to get through those things. And um, I remember, you know, whole shotting that main event and, and leading for eight laps. And I just, I wasn't in, you know, I, I wasn't really, I don't know if, if that, if I wasn't, um, in it or, or I, I just wasn't prepared, but it was just such a weird weekend because I, I felt like crap the whole weekend and then leading the race for eight laps and kind of just waiting for everyone to come around me really, because I'm like, man, what am I doing here? And, and, and I felt, you know, watching the race on TV later, I felt like, man, if I would have just maybe been better in a couple of places here and there, I, I, I might've done a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But I think this is just part of the sport, man. It's 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 so demanding and it's so tough and and so hard and and uh, you know it's it was it was definitely uh, um, interesting, but uh, at the same time, really hard hard to swallow. Absolutely, no. It's it seems like uh, you, you're um, uh, right on the cusp of, of getting one of those wins in the 250 class. Unfortunately, you didn't check off that box, which I am sure is kind of one of those things for you that's. Uh, um, maybe something that I wouldn't say you lose sleep over it, but I, I like I don't know. It's it's uh, it, it's a shame that you didn't end up getting that because you were a, a powerhouse guy in the sport, rattling off uh, many a podiums, top five finishes uh, that in in two thousand five, two thousand six. Um, like uh, was is is that one of the things that uh, when your career came to an abrupt end, you were I wouldn't say bitter about, but maybe just disappointed in. Yeah, you know it. It definitely um, it, it it was on my ma- on my mind for for a long time, and I felt that man, I just one of those things that I wanted to to accomplish and I never did. But you know, as you grow older, I mean, what what are you going to do? You're not, you know, I, I can't. I'm not going to race anymore, and I can't change it. And you know, it is what it is. Um, and and I think. Uh, you know, after time goes by and you kind of sit back and you, you know, analyze or, or you see who you were racing at the time and how deep the field was and the competition was hard. And, you know, I, I went there and I tried my best. I, I It wasn't like you were just going out there to go through the motions. And and um, and I, I think, uh, you know, I'm pretty content with how my career went. You know, I, I know 
Ricky is Ricky always, you know, we would, we would battle and, and we would, you know, we would train together and stuff. And he'd always argue with me. Cause you know, I always felt that man, he just, he overdid it. And to me, you know, we're both different guys. And, and he was always hard on me saying like, man, you don't, you know, you don't work hard enough, this and that. <laughs> but man, I, I was, I was giving it all I had, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe what worked for him was doing what he did. But uh, I can tell you that, uh, you know, it, it was also fatiguing just to being around and, and going through the same program as what he did. And, and, you know, I don't think it worked for for everyone. You know, it might have, like I said, it might have worked for him, but necessarily not for, for some of the guys that were that were around his program. I think it was a positive thing. For sure, like I, I know you probably got some some pretty interesting stories about uh, training with the number four. Like I was uh, um, an absolute hammerhead out there, and uh, and maybe didn't do it all on skill, but definitely uh, all on heart. Yeah, I I mean uh, I think uh, you know he needed that for his for to be strong mentally and 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 to be on top of his game. I think. I think if, if Ricky just didn't, if things didn't go well one day and he couldn't ride, it was definitely uh, something that he lo- he would lose sleep over. <laughs> and I think for, you know, for some of us, I think uh, we could have benefited a little bit, a little bit more having some, some time off. And, you know, I, I think uh, probably a good example is back in the day, I mean, JMB, you know, uh, yeah. I think uh, his, the way of doing things and you know it was different era and you can go about different you know a bunch of different theories i mean i think uh not everyone's the same not everything works for all the guys i mean you definitely have to have somewhat of a program and and uh, put your time in and and you know have your hard days and and really you know not do it all on talent but at the same time it's got to be a, a well balanced and you got to have fun and and you know, I mean, um, JMB was a great one, man. He he accomplished and he did a lot, and had fun uh, doing it. Yeah, and and you know, he was a he was a bad dude. I think uh, then Jeremy came around, and I think Jeremy's another perfect example of of uh, you know not taking the fun factor out of it. And I I, I don't think he was uh, you know he was. Um, as hard worker as, as how Ricky was. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think, uh, results show, I mean, Ricky won 24, I know twice. He won, um, I don't know, three, how many, how many supercross seasons? Three Five. or two? Five. Five? God. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just, uh, 14 championships, uh, four donations championships, a, uh, a t- one undefeated 125 Supercross season, two, two 250 uh, unperfect seasons, one on a, two, one on a 252 stroke, one on a 450, and uh, yeah, just uh, uh, 150 national wins. Yeah, I mean, see, <laughs> if, you, if you sit down and analyze and go That's through ridiculous. the statistics of how his career went is just mind-boggling, man. It's it's unbelievable, and I think uh, that uh, that's great proof of uh, you know. Uh, I think if you sit back and and you go from from the history of the sport, his numbers are probably on un- pretty unreal. 
Oh yeah, absolutely they are, uh, and it was must have been uh, cool to even just be around a guy like that during your career, and uh, and someone that you could kind of like that 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 the everlasting carrot ahead of you to, to help you chase and 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 it'll elevate your own game. Um, you jump down to the one twenty five, and I'll, I'll, uh, I, we're going to have to have you on again because I have way too many questions for you. But uh, last one I have for you: you jump you jump down to the one twenty five class in O two um, to ride the CR. 252 or two CR125. Um, first of all, how did that happen? Like jumping down to the class, how did you like the bike? And uh, at any point, did uh, it, at, like a riding session or a practice session, did uh, did Ricky ever jump on that thing and uh, and 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 pour the coals through it? Because I, I I've never we never actually got to see Ricky on a 125 uh, CR. Yeah, uh, you know I did it because I felt like that I was going to be really competitive uh against you know brownie and james but uh yeah you know i i uh i was a little bit off i think you know i i you know maybe the bike could have been a little bit better but i don't want to blame it on the bike i think for the most part i just i just wasn't as fast as james and mike brown and and i uh you know i had some good races you know it wasn't all bad really but i, I you know i had a great race with walker and and James Stewart at Steel City on 2002, you know, we battled and yeah. exchanged the lead uh, quite a few times. And um, so there were some good races, uh, you know, Jesse Man was really strong and Reed and Larry Ward. And, and um, you know, so I think the season really didn't go as I was hoping. But, you know, hey, man, it's like I, I just I gave him my best and I ended up fourth in the series i you know made a lot of mistakes and i think uh uh james probably was the he he was champion and then i breed was second maybe jessamine was third and i was fourth yeah so um you know it was it was a stacked field i mean we were all um trying to do our best and uh you know i i it's not like the you know the guys that were ahead of me were we're uh, some novices, so no doubt. Um, yeah, um, and and def- Ricky definitely rode, rode that bike, you know, every now and then. And <laughs> man, that guy—he could freaking ride whatever at the time and be unbelievable. So it, it was definitely. Um, I just think that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he would just freaking blow the cobwebs out of that thing and just ride, ride it, you know. Ride it awesome, just like any any other bike that he was on. Fair enough, uh, and yeah, two three podiums for you on that year. Uh, Southwick with a, I believe, a three three. Where'd you get? Oh, you went yeah. five five two for second overall uh, at yeah. Southwick, uh, and then uh, I think I think you went yeah you went three three at uh, at Steel City for second or yeah second overall and a podium uh, the, the week uh, the week prior. Uh, Broom Tailga, you go. Uh, you go three five uh, on the CR CR one twenty five. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the last guys to race one professionally. Yeah, I think you know it was kind of when the two fifty era was was starting to to roll around, and you know I have to say like for outdoors, man, the 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 tracks are so deep, and and I think definitely it's 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 better to have all that torque and and. Uh, you know the 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 four stroke power uh, just makes it a lot easier, and I think uh, 
you know, I think as time went by, that's why, you know, the two-stroke start and fading away and you wouldn't see him anymore because it's just so hard to get a start. And I think at an outdoors, you know, unless you were RC, if you didn't get a good start, man, it was hard to make up ground and, and make up, uh, um, you know, all those positions that, um, that you lost from the start. Absolutely, my friend. Well, uh, um, Ernie, I really appreciate you coming on the show, my friend. I wish I had more time, um, but I think it just means I have to make you a repeat offender here on the show, uh, and we'll have to chat again soon, my friend. Um, I, 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 I appreciate your, your, your time this morning, and uh, we're going to do it again. Sounds good, man. Yeah, thank you for having me, and uh, yeah, it was a pleasure. We'll definitely have to uh, take more time and go through some of those uh, <laughs> fun times that we had back in the day but um yeah thank you and um yeah you guys enjoy the show absolutely uh, I, uh thank you for coming on the show this morning uh do not hang up just yet but for podcast sake we're gonna cut it off right there sounds good and there you have it my interview with ernesto fonseca supercross champion in his own right in the 250 class or i guess it was the 125s back then Great guy and looking forward to connecting with him in the new year. If you enjoyed this podcast, i really appreciate it if you would make a post on Instagram, share it with your friends, share this with somebody who hasn't heard Big MX Radio before and make them a listener. That would be fantastic. That would make things a whole lot easier on me as well as uh, just grow the uh, community of people who enjoy this podcast. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you do have a request of who you'd like to hear on the Big MX Radio list uh, podcast, I would love for you to direct message me either on Big MX Radio at, on Instagram or at BradGebhart88. I hope you're already following and I hope that you're also playing Big MX Radio Trivia where we can also, you can expect monthly prizes and we're also working on weekly prizes in the new year. Happy yourself a great one. Hope you're surrounded by friends, family, and everybody else is important to you over the holiday season. And as always, thanks for listening.